de, de, de Colores Radio. De, de, de Colores Radio. <laughs> And I know what I was like this. With Bobby, the Coco Tasso coming up. All right. Welcome to The Colores Radio. This is a very special The Coco Tasso with one of our all time favorite human beings. <coughs> Them sound effect. Oh, did you just cough? Can they guess who it is? From a cough. From a cough. Ooh, new show, new segment. Whose cough is this? <laughs> Whose cough is it anyway? Oh my God, those! I actually, I could read your bio, but your bio doesn't give you any of the justice you deserve. But I can do that. So we're gonna pause a second while I pull it up. All right, so we are welcoming to the show a dear friend and brilliant human being. Our special de Cocotazo guest is Justin Favela. <laughs> That was scary. <laughs> Justin is a Las Vegas native working in the mediums of painting, sculpture, and performance. His work draws from art history, popular culture, and his Guatemalan Mexican heritage. He has participated in exhibitions and have been awarded artist residencies across the United States, Mexico, and the United Kingdom. Las Vegas venues include the Contemporary Arts Center, Trifecta Gallery, and the Clark County Government Center. Favela has curated many shows throughout Southern Nevada at spaces such as UNLV's Marjorie Barrick Museum to El Porvenir Mini Market in North Las Vegas. Recent exhibitions of note include Unsettled at the Nevada Museum of Art in Reno, Mi Tierra Contemporary Artists Explore Place, featuring site-specific installations by 13 Latino artists that express experiences of contemporary life in the American West at the Denver Art Museum and the group exhibition Shanky, the aesthetics of awkwardness touring the United Kingdom. Justin Favela is also the 2018 recipient of the Allen Turing LGBT, LGBT IQ Award for International Artist. You also might know him as one of the brilliant duo of Latinos Who Lunch and the recent creation, the Art People Podcast. Ooh. Welcome to the Colores Radio, Fabi Fab. Hello, hello, hello. Yay! Wow, it's real. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Thank What a moment in history. History. <laughs> Latinx Herstory. podcast. Hashtag support Latinx podcast yes. crossover happening. Finally. Oh my gosh. It's And been it, like two years. I know. Has it been two years? It's almost been two years for us. So yeah. that means we wanted you as soon as we started. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. Well, we met like a year ago, a little mm -hmm. bit over yes. a year ago. Uh-huh. Here in beautiful Dallas, Texas. Yes. We were strangers. We were. And now look at us. But you're like so good at just walking into spaces and be like, hi, I'm so-and-so. And then everybody's like, okay, we're friends now. Like, <laughs> you were a little hesitant though, Eva. Oh, I'm. You... Oh, you should have heard her after she met you. Oh, yeah. oh I, just, I just don't know. Me I don't everything. know. Shut I just don't. We gonna see. I don't Listen, know, but we gonna see. you gotta crack my shell a little bit, okay? <laughs> but the Where's the ding? <laughs> Thank you. But the love happened at the actual podcast. At podcast yeah. 
And that's where y'all got engaged, right? We did. Over We're still tacos. engaged. Oh, he had cracked that shell by then. <laughs> Bust it wide open, then I tell him bring it back. Um, oh, I'm not uncomfortable at all. Me neither. <laughs> what? Um, so there's just so many things we could get into. I know Rafa had a quick question for you because you actually were able to send us one of your uh, pieces oh, where yeah. you were eating tacos yeah. for one of our art shows, mm-hmm. Grace Space. Um, what were you going to ask him? Uh, are you still eating tacos? Absolutely. Um, so for the show that I was in, uh, which was called, remind me again, it was something the- gay. Uh, oh, it was Orgullo. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. It was something um, gay. Um, that one. <laughs> Some gay shit. Um, okay, so I, in 2014, I started this project called Taco Takeover, and it was mm. inspired by like performance art that I've seen of like people eating food, like to express one's culture, and uh, and then these mukbang videos that are really popular yes, you know, on YouTube. Yes, they're huge. Shout out to Eat with Chunky. She's still my fave. She's entertaining yes. as hell. Um, so uh, Taco Bell had come out with the Doritos Locos Tacos. Mm. And I said, what the fuck is going on with this world? I need yeah. it. I I hate this and I love this at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And I want to make a pro- I want to do a project where I'm reclaiming the taco as a symbol for my culture. Mm. Mm-hmm. So how am I going to do this? I need to consume all the tacos in the world. <laughs> so I started docu. This was when Vine. What happened? Rest in peace, Vine. Bite. Pour some out. Bite. Bite app. It's coming back. Is right? it? No. Oh. Rest in peace, Vine. No, Vine gone. was forever Vinyl OG. Yeah. Anyway, I used to do it on Vine. So I would record these six-second videos of me consuming a taco and... Um, and so I've documented I've documented every taco I've eaten from any restaurant since 2014. Now I've moved the I've moved the operation to Instagram, but Ooh. I still have all the videos saved. And it's gonna be a big it's gonna just be a big long video eventually of me eating I can't the tacos. Wait. Um, so anytime that I go to a restaurant and it's the first time I'm there, and if there's tacos on the menu, I will order them and I will document myself eating and you the just taco. take pictures videos or everything it's a video now okay. now it's a one minute video because that's what instagram gives you <laughs> so i'm just evolving with the technology i don't yes. know if, i don't know if we shared with you or not the reception yeah experience here but every i feel like everyone that i talked to after they had seen it they were like man i'm just fucking hungry now yeah <laughs> or they were like is that bobby and i was like that's Bobby." it's also really <laughs> gross videos it's like a really close-up i love it mouth. it makes it that much more entertaining yeah. to me yeah. And then, like you, I mean, you watch it over and over because I kept watching it because you know I had to prep Set it for it the. Up. You yeah. a freak, mama. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> but I was like, oh, you know, after after watching it for a while, you're like, okay, this one, this one had a little bit of a softer tortilla. Mm-hmm. This one's crunchier. <laughs> no, hombre, mira, le pusieron un chingo de queso en este. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so oh, so you watch some everybody of the finds their own little joy with it. That's yeah, good. it's pretty cool. I think it's very simple but very brilliant. I love <clears> it. Thank yes. you. And then this way, I can write off anywhere I go on my taxes because I have Stop documentation. It, I'm of me making an artwork uh, on on oh, the internet. You're brilliant. Boom. Thank you. So let's get started at the beginning. <laughs> now that we've gotten into a little bit of what you do, mm-hmm. we kind of know if anybody, most, I feel like everybody that listens to Latinx podcasts know Latinos Who Lunch, and we'll get into that specifically more later, but they also know that y'all represent Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So tell us more about that. You're originally born and raised there? Yes. Um... My mom is from Guatemala. My dad's Mexican. So uh, they moved there uh, in the 19, separately in right. the 1980s. And then, yeah, and that's where I was raised. And How did they find each other? This is me um, just being nosy. 
you know, the story is unclear, um, but <laughs> gotta love it. Um, I think my dad was like a player. You know, Ooh. he used to wear a lot of like polyester suits. Stop okay. Um, and my mom was an innocent Christian woman mm. who <laughs> was maybe out at a club one night and Stop. fell in love. That and, did it. That polyester. Um, yeah, they were together for only a couple years, so mm-hmm. I didn't really know my dad like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was raised with my stepfather, who's okay. Guatemalan, so I was, I was raised full Guat. I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, and then, um, and then, um, just because we live in the Southwest, like Mexican is the default Latino, Absolutely. so. I really leaned into my Mexican Mexicanidad like yeah. in high school. And you were totally influenced still you were still hung out with your dad's family, right? Uh like every other weekend. Okay. Uh, which um now that I think about it is really cool because since my dad wasn't present, mm-hmm. my dad's side of the family was super supportive. And of you me had that love. And so loving and still mm-hmm. to this day. Yeah. Um so a lot of people see like not having a, a like a, a biological father is a bad thing, but I feel like I'm so close to my family mm-hmm. because my dad is a dirtbag yeah. that uh, it, it's really amazing. Yeah. Like I'm so close to my tias and my tios on my dad's side. It's like I have like three dads. You yeah. Know, so they were able one. to support where yeah. he didn't, and probably even more so than right. what he would have done if he was right. Because they didn't see me every day, and you know, like when you see kids every day, you're like, oh my god, I'm tired. This kid, so... But every time. <laughs> I would hang out with them. It would be just like, let's have fun. You yes, know, and I want to cater to you and yeah, make sure you're good. Yeah. So that was cool. So what was it like navigating knowing that you were both Guatemalan and Mexican in the Southwest? And like, did you differentiate yeah, it I as get, a young person? I guess now because of, of Latinos Who Lunch and like mm-hmm. hanging out with like, you know, smart Latinx people like y'all. <gasps> I have you. the I have the language to like to to um to like vocalize. Uh, what what my feelings were and like what I went through. So back Mm -hmm. then I didn't know what I was doing was code switching. Right. So from like five years old, I was aware that I was changing my accent depending on what household I was in so that I wouldn't stick out. How different is that accent? Guatemalan versus Mexican. Give it to us. Give it to us. I I need to know more. Uh, It's hard. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. You know, I always thought that was a post-production thing. I didn't know. I didn't know it was a real thing. It's a rinky-dink box from Target. (laughs) Just to describe it, it's like a little sound. Take a picture of him with it. It's a little sound machine box. There's several. He has like three of them. And Rafa's literally pressing it. That's it. That's what we do every episode. And so when wow. he's late, it means he like didn't stretch his arm out enough. Ding, yeah. again to get it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what what was the question? I so forgot. sorry. How did you na- navigate the code switching between Guatemalan and Mexican accents? Um, it just happened. I mean, uh, I don't know if I could just do it on the spot, but they have very. It's like the accent is very like. Just to, for example, like instead of saying like "muévete" in, uh-huh. in Mexican, yeah, like in Mexican, I love Guatemalans it. would say "movete." Oh. So it's just like very subtle things, but it's yeah. just like, and then like, uh, my family's very, my Guatemalan family's very expressive. Yeah. So, um, like with feelings or everything, uh, just like when they're mad okay. or like when, or when we're happy. Got it. Um, but I just, I'm trying to think of a phrase, but everything is bad words that I'm thinking of. You can say it. Maybe say um, dame tu cosita. Uh, no, no, uh. no, absolutely not. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I'll just do like an, I'll pretend I'm my grandma. She's like, ah, la grande habla mucho estos hijos de la No, no, like, so it's like wow. very. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. My grandma's like very like, my, my Guatemalan grandma is like very like proper, <clears throat> like Mexican, like European 
like she has like her fake like Palina Rubio accent, Stop. and then she has her like Rancho Ay, accent too. Oh, that's so then I was the right aware of that kind of code switching too from a very young age. Wow. Yeah. And you were able to analyze it at a young age. Yes. Okay, because like I feel like a well, maybe I'm just speaking from my own personal experience, but I didn't analyze how I was reacting until later in life. And I was like, oh, shit, that's what we were doing. Because you don't even acknowledge it sometimes. But yours is so blatantly there. Yeah. That, like, you knew the difference between Guatemalan family and Mexican family. And it's also, thanks to, shout out to therapy. Um, uh, I've, I've, I've come to the realization that I also, uh, this is, like, a very public forum, but I don't care. I'm very open about shit. Open because I know it, a lot honey. of people can re- relate. Like, mm-hmm. my childhood wasn't the best. And, like, my household, I love my mom. And, like, but... It, she just had a really rough time with us growing up. So yeah. And how many uh, of you were there? There's, two, I have two brothers, younger brothers. Oh, you're the oldest. Yeah. I so didn't know our, that. Our, we, I came from a very unstable household. I'll just mm-hmm. say it like that, not to yeah. get into many details. You can't. Um, I literally, my but, next question was, what was the toughest thing you faced oh, growing up? <laughs> so, um, so uh, navigating spaces. So my thing, I'm a people pleaser, mm-hmm. and like so. Uh, I go into a room and I still do this today and I just like scan the room and I see just for safety reasons. Mm -hmm. And then I see like what people uh, like, like what the environment is and like, and then I just like start to adapt to the people that are in the room. Mm. Um, So I can, I'm really good at compartmentalizing um, and then just like code switching based on the thing. So that's been like the hardest thing for me is just like, Trying to be a hundred percent myself is really hard because I just like p- I've played so many characters mm-hmm. my whole life based on who I'm with in the yeah. room. Um, which and is you a- acknowledge that as well? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I know that now. I mean, right. I've always known that, but right. now I'm talking about it. And you're addressing and accepting it. Yeah. So, like for example, you just went to a dinner or a dinner with me with curators from mm-hmm. the shout out to the Eamon Carter Woo! Museum, Jessica. Hi. <laughs> so. Um, you just went to a a dinner with me with curators at a, right. from an art museum, and I warned you before. I was like, uh, sometimes I code switch for white people, and I was and like, who, same. Every, who everybody does, right? But like, I felt so comfortable that night because you were there, <laughs> and because my friend Gabriel was there, and he mm-hmm. already knows me like yes. this, you know. How you are? So I didn't really change for them, and that's um, the best and feeling. And it felt so nice because yes. they were laughing at all the shit we were saying, and you know. Yeah. So it's like more and more like that's like that's becoming my reality and right. definitely doing a Latinos who lunch has helped me like it really embrace that. that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, so then the toughest thing growing up was navigating all that as the eldest child, would you say, or just like obviously the instability of, um, of your life? I don't know. I mean, I just, the hardest thing, I don't know, uh, now that I think about it, my childhood was pretty great. Uh, and I think the hardest thing was knowing I knew I was different then. You know, mm-hmm. I knew I was I was queer. You knew at a young age? I think so. But I didn't really I didn't really figure it out, figure it out until like high school. Mm. Um, so uh, and I was always quiet and like I didn't really like to go play outside and shit. So like I just stayed inside, watched TV and drew a lot mm-hmm. um so just kind of um just being like a regular kid was a little bit hard for me mm-hmm. so i used to hang out with uh, adults a lot when I, I was younger i feel the exact same way okay. and you don't even like notice it but it's like like that's why now people are like oh you seem so much older and i'm like i had to grow up really fast yeah like 
Because you're the youngest. Yeah. yeah. And I was around nothing but older people. And like even now, all my closest friends are like 30 and up. And I'm like, that's not old. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is How that old thing. are you, Rafa? Old as fuck. Okay. He's not that old. I'm 34. Damn. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like your age. Literally. <laughs> We're literally the same yeah. age. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, bruh. <laughs> Um, but it is—it's kind of sad though, because then whenever people ask me like, "How was your childhood?" I'm like, "Um, fine. It was fine." Yeah. But you don't even realize because I'm like, there was so much shit happening all the time that like I don't even remember playing as a kid that much. Yeah. I my my big escape was TV, so I used to watch so much TV Same. and movies. And now that I was actually thinking about it recently, like I would actually—it makes sense that I have a podcast and that I like doing this so much because mm-hmm. I would dream like daydream of being like the host of my own tv mm. show we're literally meant to be i'm about to hold really? it. literally eva and i like our escapism because a lot of times our mom was working uh-huh. all the time so we were just like doing our thing because our older sisters would watch us but they're teenagers so they were working, out in their room and and working. Yeah. so a lot of times we would just stay home and like watch movies and like that kind of was our like escapism from like anything going on that we just would watch movies all day or reenact things or we would both be like we're gonna make movies together yes my brothers and i would do that Mm. with uh we would shoot like a scene from a movie like scene by scene with like all of our cousins and i would like be the director okay that was really fun um really fucked up movies but (laughs) which ones now i need to remember that remember that movie that was a parody like don't don't drink orange juice in the oh, hood. What yeah. is that? Don't be a menace Don't while be drinking a- oh, orange juice. Yes. And, and, yeah. That's with the Wayans Brothers? Yeah. Yeah, that was funny. We we, re- we recreated like that whole movie because we thought that it was is, so funny when It we was little. funny. Yeah. I actually haven't seen it in what a while. It's probably super where, problematic. Where she's in the 18-wheeler and she turns into a demon. Like, <laughs> 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 Did y'all reenact that? No. <laughs> that one scared me. I remember me. specifically <laughs> the, uh, the convenience store scene oh we did. God. Um, yeah, and that was when my cousins had a we had a big sleepover at our house, and all of our cousins were there. So we're like, yeah, we got all the characters. This is stop! Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, that was fun. So then you mentioned it briefly already. You said you spent time alone and would be drawing and stuff. So what got you into art? Was it doing those drawings, or how did it, how did it all begin? Uh, I was never a good drawer. That was the thing. I just like would make stuff a lot. So mm-hmm. like, uh, I would just like, yeah, just like scribble and doodle. I guess a lot. And uh, my grandmother, my Guatemalan grandmother, was super into gardening, so I would help her garden Aww, a lot. Cute. Um, and I just like collected a lot of shit. Yeah. I used I would collect a lot of stuff and like make a lot of. Uh, I would like to cut things out a lot, like mm-hmm. uh, and make dioramas and stuff. When cute. I was little. Of what? Of anything, plants, animals. You and know that started ass- like at how old? Uh, I don't know, six. Okay, you were tiny. When when people you remember when people would read books those What's were the that? days I've never heard <laughs> of that um, hello Pat. the library is still alive and well so is audible Damn. no no i like the no, library I'm, I'm talking about or overdrive gives you audiobooks too oh i Ding. thought you were talking about maximum overdrive that movie is stephen king and the scary trucks <laughs> we like that movie that movie scared me Oh, that's hella Texas. Huh? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was like, that trailer's gonna kill me. <laughs> I know when I was driving him from Fort Worth to Dallas, I was like, so here's our beautiful scenery. Here's the Palace of Wax and the freaking Cowboys. That was Cowboy my first Stadium. job. That's what Pat was telling me. That was my first... Okay, this is not my interview. Okay, Let's okay. go back. Jesus so you were re- so back when people used to read books. Yes. Oh, I remember. <laughs> I remember somebody gave us a whole like encyclopedia set. 
Yes. This is before Google. Which I one? Say. I feel like wow. all the Latino households had the same one. But it's the, the one that one. was in color and like had photos in it. Was it the kids one? The kids version? Oh, fancy. No, no it's okay. okay. legit. Britannica. But it had photo like every. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> it had every page had one photo basically. Oh yeah, it printed was on it. Then. Yeah. And so I would cut all those out and like make collages <laughs> with those. Like because I didn't actually read No, it. I feel that. Like yeah. you, what else were you going to use? Like yeah. I needed the color printed pictures because mm-hmm. the printer didn't have color. Yeah. Um. So then you first got into art by just making this stuff. Yeah. And I mean, I wasn't really an artist until I didn't become an artist until college. I didn't consider myself mm. an artist. What were did you, you ever, thinking? Did you ever take a crack at, at like set design or theater? <gasps> I did. I have done set Tell design Tell us before. all about uh, your, your school life. How, what was education like for you? Well, middle school, that's when I got into music. So that's okay. like that was like my creative outlet. I did band. I was a band nerd. What so instrument? I played low brass. So I started playing baritone slash euphonium which is like a small tuba. Okay. And then when I got to high school, uh, there wasn't enough tuba players. So then they just like put a sousaphone, like a marching tuba on me. Uh-huh. And then I was a natural. So Come on, girl. I played the tuba uh, all of high school and then into college. So when I went to college, I started as like a music major. What? Music slash history major. And you did choir and theater in high school as well. Oh, uh, yeah. All the gay shit. That's what I did. <laughs> and you knew um, you were gay by then. <laughs> Yeah, but I wasn't out. Like, I had girlfriends and stuff. Stop yeah. it. Aww. Yeah. All the girls love me. I'm sure because you're, like, <laughs> fucking like, charming. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, my school was, such, was full with, like, so many closeted Mormons, like, Mormon oh, boys. Why? Like, Is that, like, predominant in that area or something? Oh, my God. There's so many Mormons. In I, know, Las- I don't know so- this. There's so many Mormons in Las Vegas. Why? Because Nevada, like Utah's like a little further. Yeah, yeah. That's because why? It's, it's like the, the, yeah, it's because Utah's right there. Oh, that's right. Utah's yeah. like sense. the Mecca. Yeah, yeah, there's a temple. In, I know that yeah. Utah is, but I didn't know Vegas. they went to Vegas. There's a Mormon temple. I lived in like Mormon Central. Okay. Uh, in, in Las Vegas. The high school that I went to was oh. in the middle of a Mormon neighborhood. Yeah. Oh. You might catch yeah. some around here on, on their bikes. On yeah, their... they're everywhere. <laughs> Not as much as there, surely. <laughs> yeah. So most of my friends in high school were Mormons. Interesting. Yeah, and um, and they were closeted too. Well, I knew a few of them were. I mean, you could just mm. you just know, you know. Right. But now that I think back, I was like, fuck, I could have had a lot of fun in high you school. You could have <laughs> yeah. if you were being bad. I know, but, but I like... was a good kid. I was a good Christian child. Um, that's another thing that oh you get into that's so fascinating yeah. on the episode the Vidhan episode because like mm-hmm. obviously I'm all ignorant and Latinx and I'm like everybody's Catholic and it's like no, no. you weren't Mm-mm. so your experience with that I think is really fascinating and how you were like you didn't even know and you were scared of the Vidhan you said mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. was so fascinating to me because I lived the complete opposite life mm-hmm. right where we're like super Catholic she's our everything we praise her and you were like, nah, I'm scared of her. Yeah. So yeah. what is your experience with religion? I was raised in the church though, my whole life, like from age, from when I was born to 18 or 17 when I left the house. So I would go to church like three times a week, Damn. like four or five hours at a time. Wow. I was like the leader of the youth group. I always have to be in charge of something. That's like right. my thing. And so. What? You uh, don't say? I'm just I kidding. know. Um, how the level's doing, Pat? I'm good. Okay, so. <laughs> I'm dead. I'm dead. <laughs> um, but I was really into it. Um, I, I never really, I never really, I hope my family doesn't listen to this. I never really believed it. Mm, but I just like. You knew. never did at all? No. I remember, because we were raised uh, like uh, evangelicos, uh-huh. which is like. Uh, Evangelists. Just like, 
evangelist protestant uh-huh. but it was also it was like a sect of the quaker church mm-hmm. and in that church you don't get baptized you cho- mm. like after you turn like 10 12 you're supposed to you're supposed to say like oh i i know god is real i know jesus is real i accept him into my heart and you basically like during church one day just decide that you want to you want to be baptized like mm, on the spot yikes. but there's a lot of pressure like once that you like turn into like when you're a teenager like when are you gonna do it and i remember doing it one time like doing it just to get it over with yeah because like i'm sick of people like staring at me when the preacher calls and people. your mom was evangelist as well yeah okay so that's yeah. where that influence the whole guatemalan was. side of my family okay yeah and the mexican side was catholic, catholic yeah okay and now <laughs> i i would i actually loved going to catholic church uh, because it was so quick to me. It was like Ooh, an hour. And in, people in, hate in the hour. Catholic Church because they think it's too long. No. You, you sing. Stand up, you sit, sit down, kneel. You kneel. Yes. I was like, wow, you're going to work out. Yeah, I know. When, I know yeah. when it's like you're saying, you know, peace be with you. I'm like, oh, okay, we're about to wrap it up. We're yeah. going to get out of here. So fat. <laughs> about to go eat some tacos. Yeah. To me, it was amazing. It was so fat because we were used to being in church all day long, especially on Sunday. It was nuts. <sighs> yeah. So you live in between all these intersections. Mm-hmm. And you seem to have been really aware of it mm-hmm. throughout, which I think is really fascinating because a lot of people will like have an awakening awakening later on. Um, so when from there or from all these things, did you start really coming into yourself with your identities? Like like today. Yesterday. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. It took all like this time. Like a couple time. years ago. So then. OK, so you did like theater. I'm oh, not yeah. going to say my favorite role that you played. But I'm honored that you shared it with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh-huh. The other day we were like FaceTiming and we were talking Sometimes about the different. Sometimes things are just like between friends. I know, you know, I know. And you're like, bitch, shut the fuck up. But we like we're talking about the different. Um, what? You scared me. Okay. Oh, go ahead. With different like roles in theater shows we played, uh-huh. and it was a cute little bonding experience. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, girl, go off. And then you did like show choir. N- no, I never no. did show choir. It was I knew just that called I, magicals. I didn't want to go full tilt homo in high school. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> not yet. He said all the gay not shit. yet, not yet, not till college, baby. So funny. And yeah. so then, in, what happened in college? Well, college is where I found my people. So um, I was the first year I was in college. I I actually didn't didn't do any like extracurricular stuff. I would just like went to my classes and I did horribly. Aww. Like I need that. Like yeah, you're an the extrovert. thing that I love, right? So so then I was like, I went to the marching band director and i was like hi can i is there room for another tuba player and he's like not only is there room we're gonna give you a scholarship because yes, it's not enough so that was amazing through, so i got a scholarship but i was in the band for like two years nice. and then those are my first people okay which was it was good because i had instant friends mm-hmm. and i'm still friends with a couple of the people from band and um and it opened up a lot of of, of uh possibilities i guess like just like meeting all these groups different groups of people in college mm-hmm. but i did a lot of binge drinking which was not great but spent a lot of time at tgi fridays shout out to tgi fridays <laughs> thank you for sponsoring this episode give us a blooming onion i mean what oh that's another that's one outback, outback. <laughs> it felt right i thought that was it oh my gosh um but then i took an i took an art class as like part of like a humanities credit uh-huh and I loved it. I took a, just a drawing class mm. and I loved it. And it was like the only class that I would go to sometimes. Wow. And then I took a design class after that. And I'm like, oh, you know what? 
this is it. Mm -hmm. Like I need to change my major. And then by the time I took a sculpture class, I completely had dropped band. And that's when I found my people, like the art people, the weirdos. Mm -hmm. Full Um, weirdos. And they're still my best friends to this day. Like a group of like, I don't know, it was like a 10 of us, like art kids that would just like, uh, just hang out all day at Mm -hmm. school and into the night. And eventually we like took over the art department and the studios and just like, yeah, it was great. Yeah. Uh, and so what were your biggest inspirations going and then and now? Mm-hmm. Because I think it's so fascinating that you like you finally found your people there. But what do you remember being really like, I guess, inspired by? Well, I guess everything that I've talked now that I'm thinking about it. Thank you for putting my whole life into uh, this episode. <laughs> because now that I think about it, my art is about everything that I just talked about. Mm-hmm. So it's like about growing up religious. It's about pop culture and television mm-hmm. it's about my identity as a latino now now i'm expressing my identity more as a queer man mm-hmm. in the united states right so uh it's it's about all of that and like expressing that through sculpture and installation mostly but right. then um I, I also like to paint once in a while people don't pay attention to my work if it's not a piñata because people I love hate that, that shit. i know but i mean i get it yeah it, it, um you know it's hard especially as a as a minority Mm -hmm. or like as a person of color in the art world like you're like what's your story what's Mm -hmm. your trauma okay then what do you do you do this one thing okay and so and we're running with it yeah and then so the piñata art is one element of my work that i can't get away with because that's what pays the bills yeah um but you you get tired of it i do i'm i've been tired of it since i made the first one um but Uh, it's also a good opportunity to me- for me to talk about other people, especially now that I'm in Dallas, mm-hmm. because, you know, like Giovanni is here, yeah. who makes amazing piñata mm-hmm. work. Shout out to my friend Josue Ramirez, who lives in um, McAllen, Texas. He also Yay. makes really awesome piñata right. installations. And I'm sure there's several other people right. that do it. And so, um, you know, it's like, I, I talk about this all the time. It's like, are you part of the Rihanna Navy or the Beehive? Stop it. And I'm or like, both. Both, bitch. Yeah. Like, you can be both, you know? Absolutely. So, um, <laughs> that's what I think about in the art world, too. And then, but then also, like, them pinning you down as the pinata artist, that's mm-hmm. not really fair. So mm-hmm. this next year, I really, that's why I really love that you, you like the taco piece that I sent you. Mm-hmm. Because that's, like, something that people wouldn't expect from me, even right. though I've been doing it for over five years now. Is it longer right? than the pinata work? No, it's like the same same time. time. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I do a lot of performance art, I call it. I really hate performance art. So that's like a way for me to like (laughs) troll it. And I really don't like video art. But like one of my really good friends is a video artist. uh, And and he has kind of opened my eyes. And like I'm a little bit more patient now with video art because of his work. So uh, I think I'm going to get into video art. Video art is dope. Yeah, I think it's interesting how you how you kind of uh, juxtapose these things like, you know, the whole piñata thing you're saying you can't get away from. But in reality, when people gravitate towards that and it's something they can latch on to and then, you know, they disregard the fact that there's an actual artist behind that with layers mm-hmm. and then you're able to explain it and explore it. And I think, you know, with people like us and the Latinx community that, you know, it, it's far and wide, but also so tightly knit, it really does give us like you know, the, the um, I guess, the fuel to really 
get out there and say, you know, we're more than just a fucking piñata. Mm -hmm. right. There are so many things. And with your story, like every everything that you've talked about and really looking at the ways you've chosen to express yourself. Like, I don't know how many people will hear this and say, you know what? Yes, my experience is different, but I'm going to find my path because someone might gravitate towards something and I might see success in it. Mm -hmm. But. I'm not going to lean on that and say that's what defines me because there's so much other shit that I have fun doing. Yeah. Right. yeah. That's really cool. And if you're an artist that's like, oh, I can't make piñata work because Fabio already does it. Fuck that. Yeah. Make piñata work better than me. Yeah. Like, like we need to. And your own way. And right? your own way. Like it's all these white people. You go into all these fucking museums and it's the same art recycled over and over and over. Yeah. All mm. these mediocre white men making millions of dollars mm. on bullshit that we've already seen. <laughs> Y'all rise up. Everybody make piñata work, right? Like, yeah. come on. Like, okay, we can do it too. Come on, No, Eva. but really. <laughs> give but me the really, scissors. I'm like, um, give me the paper. Um, I think it's so, like, because it is so, like, not overdone, but, like, kind of. But at the same time, like, when I see your work or Giovanni's work or these different pieces, it also, like, really value, like, validates our culture to me, yeah. right? Because I'm like, it doesn't mm. have to be all high-end snobby art from this era that we've never heard of and don't relate to. And they're killing our people in the images, or like this piñata, which is cultural and has deep, intricate work into it a lot of times. Like that's where the root of it is. And valuing our culture in that way and saying this can be art too, not just the bougie shit oh, over yeah. there. And, and so that, I think that's what's so beautiful about it. Exactly. It's familiar. That's why we connect to it. That's why it's so important when we see that and we connect to it to really value it. Because we do understand, although we might not have ever met the artist and, you know, we might see some of Favi's work, even though we don't know him personally or, you know, we do know him personally. Mm -hmm. We connect because of the artist's intent and yeah. their substance behind his mm -hmm. message. And we For know that sure. it's charged with your, you know, your experience and your stories. And we connect to it on a different level, but it's still there. You know what I mean? For sure. Absolutely. So then when was your first like big break or like when did you feel like, oh, shit, I can do this right now? The Colores Radio 2018. <laughs> <laughs> I made it, mom. Stop. You've met all these famous people been all over the world. My tell us about your break. year bre briefly after you tell us your oh, big girl, break. I'm going to have to bust out the Google calendar. I have the worst memory. Oh, um, my God. My first big break was actually uh, in Arkansas. Uh, there was this museum, or there still is. Uh, it's gone now. It opened. <laughs> it was freshly opened. Uh, it was. It's called Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art, <gasps> and it's actually. Uh, it was opened by Alice Walton, who's the heiress of Walmart, who also lives in Fort Worth. So. There's a lot of connections there. Everybody knows each other. I was just in Fort Worth. Give us some of that doing Walmart some, money, honey. Um, yeah, for real. Some <laughs> they actually gave me a lot of money, so shout out to you. <laughs> uh, shout out to Alice Walton. Um, anyway, uh, it was the show called State of the Art. Uh, I think it was called State of the Art: Discovering America Now. So the mm. curators of that show chose because they have money. They had money. Right. They went across the entire United States and and did thousands of studio visits to all these unknown and i'm doing this in quotes because right. some of the people were known you know right unknown just not known to them to the museum world right. i guess and they they chose 102 artists i believe so almost like 25 artists from every region in america and i was chosen i was one of the 25 that they picked from the southwest wow uh, so i was the only artist out of nevada actually that they picked and, and this is what year this was in like 2013, 2014, okay. around then. And um, 
And that was the first time, that was actually the, actually the second time that I made a lowrider piñata. So mm. I made a lowrider piñata, um, and it's if you see the ones that I do now compared to that one, that one was clunky as fuck. <laughs> um, but it was the first one, and it was so cool. They, I made it, like, life-size, a 1964 Chevy Impala, and it was, like, lime green. Aww. And they sh- had it. Sh- they shipped it all the way out to the museum. Wow. This is how much money these people have. That's insane. They shipped it in a <laughs> giant crate. <laughs> they picked crazy. it up from my studio in Vegas. I had this big warehouse studio. It was so awesome. Aww. And they took it out to Arkansas. And then they f- they they didn't measure the elevator right. They thought Shut the elevator was up. big enough. And so then they flew me out to arkansas to cut it in half and then put it back together again oh my which was gosh. amazing well i mean I, I was so nervous i thought it was gonna fall apart but it didn't no we, how do you cut it with an i cut it with a bread knife just cut it open. yeah i just cut it <laughs> open wow that shave is way yeah. too long you need to cut it. <laughs> so from that show people saw people started seeing my work and then i would get more shows from that so it's like curators see your work in a show so i just never stopped making art after that and i was you know i was doing a lot of shows locally right um and where were you working at that time because this you had already graduated school i was working yeah i was working at the even when i was in college i started volunteering at the neon museum in Mm -hmm. las vegas where they have all the old Mm -hmm. neon signs yes and by this time i was already an administrator at the neon museum nice. so i was a programs administrator i think was my title i worked mm-hmm. there for like seven years wow what, ha- um, what happened to the to the lowrider that one mm-hmm. they actually shipped it back to me mm-hmm. and i just kept chopping it up and making other stuff with it uh, i actually nice. had an exhibition called chop shop mm-hmm. where like yeah. i chopped it up and made made other pieces chopped and screwed bring oh my back gosh. to texas look uh, hey. this is actually gonna tie it back to selena Uh-oh. uh because uh like the year after that show i did this show at the clark county government center in las vegas with my friend sean slattery and that's a name we did uh yes shout out to white people named sean and so <laughs> he we decided we wanted to do a show with cars in it yeah because uh, i like i like i like making the cars but i'm like let's tie it to to my culture and like Vegas culture and your culture, right? Mm-hmm. So Sean's culture. And so we decided to, he makes like very dark art, you know, like. Nice. Uh, Yo soy darks. Yeah. Caga murciélagos el way. So. I'm dead. Um, we, I always wanted to make a piece about Yolanda Saldivar and like, and that. Why? And that epic. Uh, standoff at the days in, you know, she's in her car, in her car, right? So I just had visions of that that 1994 red GMC, oh like sinking into the ground, like yeah. melting into the ground. Um, so that was the piece that that initially inspired the show. And then my friend Sean made a like a mock up of because okay, so Selena was important to me, and then at the same time, around the same time, um. Tupac was shot in Las Vegas. Mm. So he went to the corner where he was shot in Las Vegas and Damn. and made a mock-up of a monument for Tupac mm-hmm. ba- uh, with the Mercedes that he was shot in mm-hmm. kind of thing. So we made that car. And then we did a, a homage sad. to the Bronco. So it's like kind of twisted oh for the for the Bronco uh, OJ? OJ's Bronco. So we made those oh three cars. Gosh. This this show sounds lit. As I know. Fun. I was, was like, I want to see it? pictures. This was in like 2015 that we Damn. did the show. Let's go back in time. And so I had those three cars, and then I had the lowrider from Crystal Bridges, and I chopped those all up and made a whole new show. Mm-hmm. And in this show, I paid honor to all the people. 
to Selena, basically more to Selena and Tupac, mm-hmm. um, and made work related to them with all the leftover car parts. So like, I made a lot of giant pizzas of with course. like the Selena signature over Aww. it, and, like a, just like funny, funny stuff. A lot of giant Doritos and uh, mm-hmm. um, a lot of purple flowers for my queen. Purple <laughs> and white flowers. Yeah. What connected you so much to Selena? I just am curious. Um, I think it was that it was the first time when I saw the movie, I actually just remember the hype of the movie growing up Mm -hmm. and, uh, it all kind of goes back to one of my tias who loves Selena, but wasn't allowed to love her because we were super Christian. Mm. So we would secretly listen to Selena in the car. Like which tape? Like she had, she had all of them. She had all of so them. So it was all just like, we're going to just do it. So we would just sit in the car for hours listening to Selena songs. Like mm-hmm. while we waited for like my grandma to get off of work or whatever. Yeah. And so that's where my love for Selena started. But then when the movie came out, I remember the controversy that, cause JLo was playing Selena right. and all the Mexicans, even the Guatemalans were pissed. Yeah. Like how's this Puerto Rican playing this Mexican Tejana icon, you know? So I remember and I remember like that being locked in place in my head, like, wow, like we hate each other, you yeah. know, as Latinos. This is insane. But we wanted our own. Yeah, that's what it was. But then when I when I saw the movie, I guess I had never seen uh, a movie that represented. I mean, there was like La Bamba and all that shit, but like, uh, but Selena was the first time that it was like uh, a, a Chicana. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like a true like Chicana that mostly spoke. <clears throat> english and then was forced to speak spanish like i really related to that and so uh that movie kind of became like a a cultural touchstone for like my identity and i think for so many people right so that's why i went to go see that second act movie because jayla i'm still i don't care (laughs) jayla played selena i'm a fan even though she does all that fucking problematic shit all of it girl stealing songs and stuff yeah so um yeah, so that's why Selena was like a, is a big influence still. And now I do a lot of work based on like media representation of Latinidad and how that affects our culture. Mm-hmm. So that just happened again with Coco, right? Yeah. Yes. So many people are celebrating Day of the Dead. You fucking posers. You never celebrated it before. <laughs> but, truly, truly. But what, a, what an impact like that movie yeah. has made on mm-hmm. the Latino community. So many people right. are now like, especially Catholics and Christians who who like Protestant Christians who never celebrated it because they saw it as like some weird like brujeria shit, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Now they're realizing like, oh, it's just a way to honor our ancestors, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's actually the tradition is actually older than our traditions. Right. You know? So that's pretty cool. Um there's a lot of negative things that came from that movie. Absolutely. Uh, but then there's also a lot of positive things. Like uh my family, my Mexican side of the family never celebrated Day of the Dead until after that movie came out. Wow. Like my younger cousins like that are my mm-hmm. age. Mm-hmm. And now I see them like putting up <clears throat> putting up portraits of old family members that maybe we didn't get the time to properly mourn. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a healthy thing that we're doing because wow. of that because of that, you know? Yeah. Or like how Selena like represents so many people and people uh people see that you know, it's kind of fucked up. People see that movie almost as a documentary. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I'm so into that idea yeah. of like art changing our perception of Literally, our own identity. Literally, that was my biggest perception of her growing up because I was born yeah. in 94. Yeah. So then I watched it from like 97 on. <laughs> and like, that's how, like, I genuinely as a child thought Jayla was Selena. 
Yeah. But I was obsessed with her story because that was the first version of anything like myself I had seen. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, Mm -hmm. it's still and and now and that's where I'm a little bit curious what you think of all the recent influx, because like we talk about it all the time. Obviously, she's a big theme and component of what we've created. And it's kind of funny because I think we're all kind of getting a little bit tired of it a little bit. Um, Right. I can say that fairly Um, speaking on behalf of all of us, because it is like we are so deeply connected that it is like spiritual, even like to me that it's like it feels like it's taking away from that, though. Right. Because it's beautiful that your family's healing with Coco and stuff like that. But then it's like we've been doing that shit since we were kids. Like that was the one thing we liked that was for us rooted in our faith with our mom that we would pray the rosary and have the altar and have the food and have the cookies and have you know what i mean so it almost is like where do we find that balance between like popular culture taking what was so like authentically ours and like it becoming becoming mass consumed and then mm-hmm. it's yeah. weird it's hard to find that, that balance I mean, that's exactly what my art's about so it's like exploring these ideas of like exploitation versus celebration right yes. which is like goes back to the piñata as a perfect symbol of that mm-hmm. right yeah. and like celebrating these like really tragic things like like selena's life was was tragic and we're and we like romanticize it and like and don't talk about the abuse and like the weird shit that goes on that's you know what, what i that's mean that's what like, scares me for the tv and, series because her family's it. involved again oh, right it's gonna it's, it's and her dad's I, not gonna say anything about that yeah or how toxic he is still yeah but Don't come I for me, th- please. I honor your name. Right, but <laughs> listen, it, it something that something that happened to me after after doing art about Selena is like I actually researched her and was like on in a YouTube hole just watching interviews of her, and I feel like I wouldn't have done that without the movie right. and without the hype, you know. But yeah, it's annoying uh, because anything that anything that's ours gets taken away, mm-hmm. you know. And we, and I think that's where the yeah. you, you said exploitation again versus celebration. Yeah. I think that you know that fine line that separates the two is where we kind of come in, and it's our responsibility. Well, not necessarily our responsibility, but um, I think we owe it to ourselves to really make the the perspective known on a on a broader scale. That's that's like yeah, you can love all of these things and enjoy these celebrations, but understand that a people and a culture comes along with that so it's not i'm gonna chop it up and i don't give a shit about you and i'm gonna disregard you know the problems with our border and all these things to really like get rid of the things that we don't want but take the things that we do like and hype it up and make it ours i mean and and i also i think of food a lot with that because i'm like growing up i was embarrassed of bringing food to school Mm -hmm. and like now everybody wants the elotes and the tacos and the nopales even like all this stuff and i'm like what yeah but it's like if you want all these things i'm gonna come with them too motherfucker and my family's gonna be here too yeah (sighs) it's a lot it is it's a lot but um yeah so <laughs> going back to the original question of like when did i get your big attention <laughs> for my big break it was like that that arkansas show then i did that chop shop show then i just started getting opportunities from that and so uh i got the show at the Denver Art Museum, and that was really cool. Mm-hmm. I did a huge installation there based on the movie Frida, and mm. I was definitely in the back of my head thinking of the movie Selena and how the movie Frida is the same thing. Like yeah. people see that movie as a documentary That's and not the same as a story. fake ass mm-hmm. documentation of 
what their uh, life version of her yes. life, you know, mm-hmm. and another movie that celebrates abuse. So, um, yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that, that installation was called Frida Fantasy, or no, Frida Frida Landia. That I was it. your podcast that episode. Was a, yeah, <laughs> I, w- I originally called it that, but the museum wasn't fan didn't, of it. Wasn't a fan of that name. Okay, and then yeah, so then from there, I just people, a lot of people saw that show. That's I'm gonna do a show at the Amon Carter Museum in Fort Worth, Texas, in Ooh, August. Shout out, Funky Jam. Um, so the curator saw my work there. Oh wow! And so, so from so that's why I always tell people, especially this is a tip for all you artists out there. Give them the tips. Keep Bing. even if you never. Oh, just the tip. <laughs> just make sure to always apply to stuff. Like don't really don't give up because a lot of the shows that I got this past year are uh, I got based on applications that I sent in for grants and for big mm-hmm. shows that I didn't get into, but the jurors and the committees that were that saw my work. It's not that hard to Google like a certain type of art, you know, so they just probably Googled, even if it's blind jury, they Googled giant pinata lowrider and they found me, Mm -hmm. you know, so I got a couple solo shows this past year based on things that I applied for and I didn't get. I think really quickly, a question on that. Um, I know that our experience here at the Cultural Center and even with Decolotas with the pop-up shows, one of the things that we see often is people that have really great ideas or amazingly talented artists that that put out amazing work, but they have a lot of trouble articulating what they do to mm-hmm. grants, to applications, to people in places that are in positions to give them the opportunities. What would you say, like, how how have you become someone who is, you know, fairly, you know, talented at articulating what you do so well? I don't, I'm a really bad writer, actually. So mm-hmm. I usually don't get grants because I don't know how to write. Mm-hmm. And that's and like a formula you have to know you to have get to grants. Know. That's and like a game. The only time I've I've gotten a grant is when I've uh, I, I've elicited help from people that know how to write mm-hmm. and they help me. And, and that's a real thing, y'all. And when people help you write grants like that, you need to pay them. Because yeah. that's, that's a huge that's deal. Some of, these, some of these huge that's organizations right have grant writers yes. and people that yes. are just dedicated to filling out literally you know, my yeah. job <laughs> yeah that. yeah that's your job right so I, I don't do that but but people at my job have right. roles for that reason so um yeah j- just it's also just talking uh, like practicing mm-hmm. and like if you listen to old episodes of latinos who lunch like i don't talk like this about my work in the early episodes mm-hmm. i'm still figuring it out i'm actually really nervous i haven't said this on latinos who lunch yet so the color is exclusive pbs is is uh putting out a documentary next year i think oh in the spring and it's based on that state of the art show that i told you about wow. so they picked a few of the artists from those hundred and whatever that were in the show and they followed us around like in our everyday life for Amazing. like a week. Uh, so uh, that was in 2014, 15. Mm-hmm. And the shit that I said in those interviews, <sighs> it's going to be really embarrassing because it was I so long ago, my messaging, I didn't really know myself mm-hmm. as much as I do now. Like I told you, like, yeah, and you're still learning every day. And I'm still learning. And uh, I'm really nervous about 
what how they edit my mm, the documentary and like what so i actually scary. say yes um so y'all will see like the growth literally when is it coming out it, they just this said, is this is coming out in 2019 so we're in the future right now oh perfect yeah oh, so it's gonna come out this year sometime <laughs> in the spring on pbs wow uh Congrats. i think, think i signed an nda so i can talk about it it's it should be fine yeah you would know yeah. if you signed an NDA. Yeah, yeah i think i don't know i signed a lot of shit oh, oh shit <laughs> yeah. what is it sign it yeah i don't care Done. Yeah, this is free publicity for them. Yeah. So, what was the original question? But I, so I was asking for like pointers <laughs> on that. But that's a really that like that's a significant oh, step. On. Yeah, and even in finding the way to really describe what you do, because aside from doing the you know producing amazing work, you're able to talk about it and articulate it oh, really yes. well. Yeah, and it's just from practice. It's just literally yeah. from talking, me choosing different words every time that i talk about it and just trying new ways of describing my work yeah. every time and then listening to how people talk about your work mm. because the way that your the audience consumes the work mm. i mean we can say that it's like all for us and but you know we're creating art for people to look at it like right. if you just make it and put it in in your house or in your closet like uh, I, I don't know like it, it that's truly art for yourself you know mm -hmm. that's fine but um a lot of a lot of uh a lot of people have said some really cool stuff about my work and i totally just steal those words from them and use it as as a way to kind of explore my work i'm sure i'll listen to this interview and be like oh shit i didn't realize that and, <laughs> and i feel like maybe yeah. you get surprised too right because sometimes i feel like if you do something and somebody connects to it in a way that you had no idea you put like that kind of energy into it it almost uncovers something that you might say, oh, shit, well, maybe I was in this particular part of my experience when creating that. Or I had no idea that this is what I was, yeah. was really trying to. Oh, my gosh. Case in point, I, I worked maybe like three or four, four years ago now. Mm -hmm. I worked for the Liberace Foundation. Mm, okay. And, you did, you mentioned and I spent a lot of time. If y'all don't know who Liberace is. Hashtag Google it, locas. <laughs> if you don't know by now. If you don't know who Liberace is, uh, put your life together because <laughs> he's incredible. Queer icon. Liberace was a piano For player. Uh, like before Elton John's gay ass, Liberace <laughs> was the gayest of them all. But he never came out. He was a good Catholic boy. That movie a few years ago was so interesting. Tragic, yeah. And uh, he was a big like Las Vegas performer. Uh, but he was like the king of bling, the Mr. Showmanship. And he would just wear the craziest shit, like feather boa, turkey feather, cape costumes, like a giant fur coats that were the length of a giant stage. And like mm -hmm. uh, reading about Liberace and like going through the collection actually helped archive the museum collection and uh, learned a lot about like preserving costumes and things like that when I worked for them. Uh, I realized that Liberace couldn't say that he was gay but he could express it mm. through the surfaces in his house, on his cars, wow. on his clothing. So he, he didn't have to say he it. He didn't have to say it. He was wearing it kind of like Juan Gao, right? Absolutely. Right. So then I look at my work, my art, and I'm like, what the fuck? I'm doing the same thing. How funny. I'm, I'm, when did you realize that? That This was like when I was doing the Denver Art Museum installation. Okay. And I said, holy shit, like. All my work is doing is like covering things up. Mm. Like I'm covering things up with like really colorful paper. But by me covering it up, I'm like, in my mind, I'm like protecting the object or the thing huh. and rec or reclaiming it. Mm -hmm. But in reality, I'm like expressing what it really is mm -hmm. kind of thing. So, yeah. I like it. Yeah. I'm anyway. into it. Wow. Hashtag deep. Hashtag conceptual art. <laughs> <laughs> so then, 
She, ah! <laughs> Sorry, I peeked. I didn't realize what he was digging for, and then I did. Uh, Pat's like, fuck you. Um, <laughs> Pat, you look on fly in that skeleton shirt. No, I, I got some like inspiration from somebody. Oh, I cool. was like trying to like look like someone. <laughs> I wonder who. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so then tell us briefly, because we're getting close to wrapping up, about your experience with creating Latinos Who Lunch and then the Art People podcast. Well, Latinos Who Lunch came about because I always, always wanted to have a podcast because I was a huge podcast fan for so many years. What were your and OG faves? My, I mean, the, po- my, the podcast, um, I guess, f- floodgates kind of opened when... I started to listen to Mark Maron's podcast, mm. WTF. And I liked mm-hmm. how like, uh, I actually just liked it. A lot of people don't, didn't like the show in the beginning because he would interview a lot of comedians, yes, but then also that. talk about himself a lot. Yeah. Like the first like 10, 15 minutes of the show. <laughs> but I actually really liked that because he was so vulnerable and like would talk about his mental health a lot. Mm-hmm. And like, just like a white man going through shit, you know? Right. Um, wow. But what is that? Like? I felt, I felt it's really, really, you know, you want to listen to something real tragic. Um, but it was like, I, I felt like I had a friend that I didn't know. Hmm. And I really enjoyed that. So then I started listening to all these comedy podcasts. Like a lot of the comedians on his show would have their own podcasts. Yes. And so then I was, that was kind of the gateway. And then eventually uh, I found like black podcast like yes. the read like uh-huh. this one called for colored nerds that i used to love mm. so much that one's not uh, they don't do them anymore it's called right? the nod now okay it's like okay evolved. that's right and so when i heard the read i couldn't believe how queer and black these people were like unapologetically mm-hmm. and i said where is the latino version of this this needs right. to happen and i couldn't find it there was a few out there so i don't want to say that there wasn't right. some podcasts out there um, I think Cafe Con Chisme used to be called Sass back in the day. Oh. And um, uh, shout out to Sebastian's gay ass. He was out Aww, there. He's so sweet. Uh, I love him. Um, doing amazing work back then. And I said, okay, this is cool. I, I think I think I can, I want to start something like this. And that's exactly like, exactly when I met Babelito. Aww. And when I met Babelito, it was when I was working at the Liberace Foundation. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, we had caught our tacos or, and then would go have coffee and have all these big conversations. And I'm like, you know what? We should record this. So we started recording our conversations and, and that's how Latinos for lunch came about. Yeah. And, uh, from the very beginning, it was like about creating space on the internet for Latinx voices and, and not, not creating a platform because the platform's there. Y'all just got to start recording, you know, it's just like Mm -hmm. amplifying those voices and just like, sharing the love because that's the first thing that i that i said i'm like we're not competing against anybody else we want to give everybody shout outs right so the first podcasts were like super mamas and tamarindo podcasts mm-hmm. and now there's like hundreds yeah, of latinx I can't podcasts even keep up anymore. i can't listen to all of them Same. i can't even listen to all your episodes okay i mean they are us. like two hours, 18 long, hours long yeah <laughs> two hours long sorry jesus we wanted to follow but, the read um just kidding. no they're good for flights though so thank you you're welcome but <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah I, I i'm so happy about that and then so then when I was thinking about like me as an artist and like all the art podcasts that I listen to are so fucking boring mm-hmm. because <laughs> it's like mostly a lot of white people just talking about concepts mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, which ha- is how people see art already. Yeah. But, I, but I want to know like, how, how did you get that art show? Mm-hmm. Like how much did that cost? Like 
who did you have to like, you know, like kind of the questions you asked me, like, what was your big break? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I, I want to know like, like behind the scenes of an art museum. I want to know like, uh, you know what your practice is in the studio and like how much right. time the do nitty that, gritty the nitty gritty but i also like to want to get personal because a lot of these artists kind of just like phone it in and say the same shit over and over again right and i i, I realized that i was missing a lot of opportunities because i travel so much mm -hmm. uh and a lot of the interviews that that i started to enter i started doing interviews earlier in two, 2018 um, they wouldn't necessarily fit with Latinos who lunch, mm. uh, with, with like our, our vibe on that show. Um, so I have a, I have a collection of over like 30 interviews from 30 different kind of like different art people right. that, I, that I'm, that I needed to release somehow. So mm -hmm. ding. Thank okay. you. You're welcome. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's why, um, that's why I started the podcast and it's, it's just the to art people podcast, the art people podcast, fresh is, baby is a fresh baby. There's only <laughs> a few episodes out right now, but I just wanted to be a podcast where people just have open conversations and kind of like demystify the art world and also kind of what to touch to touch on what rafa was talking about like also like also blurring those boundaries between like what is fine art mm. what is craft what is folk art because i'm looking at the show that's up now at the cultural center here and it's like the virgen de guadalupe art and people would walk in there and say oh that's that's all folk art yeah mm -hmm. but i see some pieces in there that look pretty contemporary mm -hmm. that look mm -hmm. like fine art so what there's no difference art is art you know what i mean mm. so uh you know i want to interview people that are like prominent contemporary artists and also interview my tia that likes to collect precious moments dolls that or shit that is art so, to her or that yeah. sews, you know or that, uh, what or do you that, call it or my grandma who crochets you yeah. know like that shit is also important people For are sure. a lot of people are drawn to making things but don't consider themselves artists because it's not like white Eurocentric high and, art. Yeah, and they don't know how to they don't know how to use big words. Ooh, you know. Anyway, that's real. Yeah. That is very real. Decolonizing the art scene is what it sounds like you're doing. Okay. Come on, Pat, with the words. Go ahead. Decolonization. Pat, like, I'm Pat's like I ain't gonna say shit till it matters. Okay, I got one for y'all. Drops, drops the mic. <laughs> Please don't drop them. They're expensive. Yeah, Be oh, careful. Hey, okay. <laughs> reverse manifest. It's, I, I, destiny, I also girl. only said that because because. Well, because there's in the at the library like a, a big conversation yeah. we've been having is decolonizing the library system because that whole thing the way don't it's charge set up, me for not returning my book okay I'm poor <laughs> the whole way it's set up we always have conversations about the fact that like the people that go are majority like like minorities and we're not getting what we actually need there like it's just like oh they come and use the computers or the scanners or they're coming to check out stuff or using our resources but it's like they're not really making things where it seems like people feel comfortable enough to do that mm. they're still doing mostly like events and programming for white people yeah and it, i mean it's so institutionalized in this country that people don't even realize that our architecture is racist. Mm. So it's like you go to a library and it, it's like gray metal. Like it looks like a fucking prison sometimes Damn. or like or like a jail <laughs> or yeah, like city hall, myself. like city halls. They don't look. They're Ours not is literally to... across from our city hall and it's supposed to be parallel to look like they're going meshing into each other. I don't know if y'all have ever noticed that. Did the architects care. are the same, so they are pretty much look like puzzle pieces. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I, I, uh, just just going thinking of a conversation that I had with a museum in the past few years, uh, because a lot of times I am the token Latino, so I have to mm. take advantage of these situations. And 
I mean, it does get exhausting sometimes having to teach these white people what's up, but uh, I was at this museum and I, they put me on a committee. They're like, would you like to be on this committee? This is for the Latinx community, la, la, la. The diversity and equity yeah. committee. Love it. <laughs> yeah, co-chair right here. So, Come through. Uh, they're like, well, what can we do to bring more, more of the Latino community to the museum? And I'm like, well, first of all, uh, the museum is racist. Like the architecture is racist. It looks like it's going to chop your head off when you walk in. So, uh, Yikes. how did they handle that? And they're, and they just look shocked. <laughs> there was a look of shock. And then they like pretended to take notes. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, fuck. And this I guy. said, so it's going to be really hard to bring people in. So maybe you should just like go to people and, yeah. uh, you know, start bring the art to them, bring, bring the art to them or go to schools. I don't know how you're going to do it because yeah. I don't want to go in this building that looks like it's going right. to fucking murder me. I hear that in a lot. I mean, throughout everybody's work, I'm sure we have some relation or like connection to that. But like in our work, it's like, how are we going to get these people from South Dallas in this space? And it's like, don't charge them for it. Like this is we can't all afford $40 tickets to this thing. I'm not I'm being very vague and I'm doing it for a reason. But no absolutely i think that's decolonize everything and that's why that's such a big thing right now but there's also understanding the balance in where we live in a capitalist society and understanding that like that's not as easy to mm -hmm. obtain either it's something to be very mindful of always um so i feel like people want us would want us to get more into latinos who lunch mm -hmm. um i really love how oh hello i love how humble you both are really in in that there were latinx podcasts already there but you all really to me helped like shift and navigate the waves and like the boat of like where we could go where we can still go and y'all provide like a lot of beautiful um support and and just everything that was necessary and even like with louise from nos vemos and swap me and like I know probably rest in peace podcasterio, but like mm -hmm. that whole creation and that experience was so life changing like and we're just all like necessary. The family now. It's absolutely, it, it, it's so beautiful though because we needed that, and like that's why we uh, talked about invest in Latinx recently on one of our last episodes because it was like we're here, like we could be on Netflix too, like we we could have shit too. We're we're the ones moving our culture forward and creating these works and like really pushing the envelope and lifting queer voices and taking you know what i mean like it's just so amazing and y'all really have steered that and i i don't maybe i'm wrong and saying like y'all did this but like to me y'all did that and y'all made so many people comfortable and feel confident enough to do it i know cyc podcasts you know oh always gosh, shows them yes. their love and support of that but really it's true like for yeah. all of us mm -hmm. like y'all were that that those people that did it and you did it and we're proud to be who you were and we're proud to admit problematic things and we're proud of your queerness and proud of all these these intersections that we don't we didn't never saw especially in podcasts and in the fact that you can stand up and do it yourself you can do it, it at home i think that's what the attitude is and that's what's like because there's a big change coming mm -hmm. and there's changes that are going happening in our country right now and in our communities across you know the globe but you know what's really cool about your podcast y'all's podcast is that it it it's so much more than that it's so mm -hmm. much more than a podcast and it's the attitude of you know we're gonna take charge we're gonna take control and we are out here and there is value behind our experience behind our culture behind our expression and all of these things and we're not gonna take no for an answer 
And because it's grown so much into like a movement beyond what you just record, um, I think it's fueled what so many of us in communities across the globe literally um, are wanting to do and finding ways to to be who we are and and not be apologetic about it. Yeah. I don't even know what to say. I'm like, try not to cry. Thank you. It's real. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Because it really was like, I mean, they were telling me for months to do my podcast and I I couldn't. Like, Mm -hmm. I was just like, I'm a perfectionist. I will never get started. And then I started listening to more of the read. And I had already, of course, listened to NPR and all that. But like listening to y'all and hearing y'all, I was like, oh, we can do this. And like y'all were that for so many people and so that's Aww. where it's like where's the tissue that's <laughs> that's <laughs> toilet paper shout out to oak cliff community <laughs> Damn. it's not even that two ply either it's like very thin don't See judge you know. it that hard okay oh, it's gonna rip if you look really, at it too it's hard it's a really good one ply though oh my god um quilted <laughs> jesus no okay. but really like all that is fully heart heart felt like we mean that with with everything we have because like no matter what happens right in the future like y'all did that yeah like what you created together and and that's beautiful and oh just even still the conversations i'm like holy shit it's amazing that i can even call these people friends and like y'all are having these conversations and i like i'll hit you up and be like oh my god i didn't know that about blah 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 you know and so like it's amazing and i think that's what this community of podcasters of like people bring together because everybody has something brilliant that they bring to the table yeah yeah it's been amazing that that definitely has been one of the most rewarding things specifically this last year for me i traveled a lot and it was insane the the amount of support no matter what city i'm in Mm -hmm. i will there's latinos who lunch listeners like I was in New York for a whole month and I had a whole crew of people there Aww. that were like That's listeners and, and instant friends because mm-hmm. they already know me. Exactly. And That's I'm, the weird part, right? You're it's like, weird, Ooh. but I'm also hella nosy. So I love asking people <laughs> questions. Yeah. So then we become fast friends. And uh, I feel like I have a network of really badass Latinos anywhere I go. Because if you listen, if you if you listen to our shows and mm-hmm. get through a whole show, like you like us you're our people yeah, you know what i mean for sure. and so I, I this experience i was just in london like three weeks ago mm-hmm. and i was walking down the street shut up and i read and a latinos who lunch listener recognized me oh, i would have died <laughs> and was too shy to say hi so they messaged me on instagram oh and my like, god favi did i just see you get off at the old town station or whatever and i'm like yes are you a Latinos Who Lunch listener? And so we had a Latinos Who Lunch meetup in London, wow. which was nuts. That was crazy. Wow. And I like... And Latinos Who London. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I, I'm like finally now realizing the impact. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. Yeah. That's crazy. And y'all have been in the game how long? Like two and a half years, yeah. maybe. Maybe almost three. And look, yeah. at, look at all the ground that's been covered. Because... Because that shows you how big the need is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wherever we are, wherever, like, even if the communities don't align necessarily, um, there's a connection. Because the work that's happening goes beyond, you know, something smaller. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, this this might be like our vibe or this is what we do. But because you're you're the way you express that in such a natural and honest way with your approach, like it goes beyond that. And people connect everywhere and that sense of belonging like transcends you know countries and you know small Mm tight-knit communities and and all of that 
Yeah, I, I um, there's definitely Babalito and I are definitely conscious of like a shift in our podcast that mm -hmm. happened maybe like after episode 15 or so, because uh, I was very adamant about just being a, being a show like we're just going to talk to ourselves like we would like like we were we would talk at a coffee shop. Mm -hmm. So then people it, to me, I thought the show was just going to be like people kind of eavesdropping on a conversation. And now it's totally changed to right. so many people have reached out to us and be like, hey, yo, I'm going to school in in New Hampshire and I don't relate to any of these fucking people. So me and my prima get together every Sunday and and we listen to you mm. and just cackle with y'all because you remind us of our cousins back in Texas, you know? Mm -hmm. And so now I'm like, oh, we're doing it for us, but we're also doing it for them. Yeah. So now we now we make sure to have uh, fun on the episodes, you know, do the Guara Guara La Cuchara episodes, right, kind of right, like right. the cocotazos that you're doing now. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's, uh, it's, it's for them too, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, uh, I never thought that it would get to that point, which is so cool. Yeah. Like, I remember when we first started doing our show, and we're like, there's 20 people that listen to this episode. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I can't believe 20 people are yeah. listening to our bullshit. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, man, it's so it's so amazing. Yeah, the, the growth has been so amazing. And, it, and it's also a testament to our community as, like, Latinos. Mm -hmm. And the, the badasses in our yeah, community. Yeah, very supportive, very loving, very eager to see themselves or yeah. any kind of connection. Yeah. Absolutely. And, um, you know, there's not that much. Uh, there's just it's just so great just to see just to see like the evolution of all of these Latino podcasts and, and the different topics. I'm so happy when I see like there's so many podcasts now about like Latinx therapy mm -hmm. that there wasn't before yes. and like parenting and like every little uh, detail, every little thing. It's mm -hmm. so cool. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Brag on yourselves a, f a little bit if you can. What are your, what are your biggest, I know y'all oh. were on like, was it NASA or something that was like, <laughs> they get like big, big, uh, accolades and i'm like y'all don't brag enough about yourselves but you should NASA? i don't know what you're talking about wasn't NASA? there some somebody put you on a list it was like some big thing i don't know uh i don't remember now if, if they invite better. you to nasa inviten porque the first latinx podcast <laughs> in space can you imagine i'm putting that into the that universe that would be a mess space <laughs> right now SpaceX, SpaceX, <laughs> yeah, you're like shaking, you're like, Ay, Astronaut, astronautics, yeah. <laughs> He's manifesting that right now. <laughs> the first podcaster in space. Uh, I'll do a live Latinos for lunch, like eating space food. I'm like, like I don't know. These... You're like, what did you have for lunch today, Bobby? <laughs> this vacuum sealed filet mignon is a little dry. I don't know. I can't seem to catch it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Jesus. Um, what? Where were what, we? Um, You're trying to get him to brag on oh, like, yeah. accolades. Because y'all got big numbers. Y'all get uh, yeah. on every list. You're yeah. on everything. You're it. Um, shout out to Remezcla because they were like the first to put us on a list. That's how I found y'all. Yeah. Aww. So shout out to them. And then. And Songmas. And, and Songmas was on the there Radio too. Menea. Radio Menea. And, <laughs> and shout out to. ¿Cómo se llama? El. Julio Ricardo Varela uh, from yes. from Latino USA yes. and uh, in the thick he put us on the list too and then oh. um, for Latino USA and uh, yeah ever since we've been on list oh yeah Apple Podcast put us on the yes. uh, Hispanic oh, yes. Heritage Month list oh. uh, and yeah we just keep on uh, getting on list which is so great and then I think what I think the most 
surprising thing is like when universities want to talk to us mm. um, that has been a really cool thing so this last year Babelito and I went and talked at well it started all with Wellesley College mm -hmm. in that was that Massachusetts. really dope episode I remember that was really cool we talked to Doctora uh, Irene Mata and then we did a live show at MICA the Maryland Institute College of Art and Micah's like one of the best art schools. Wow. And then for my trash ass to like be talking at this like <laughs> prestigious art school was like really cool. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And full circle. Yeah, full circle. Like, oh, I don't like, need y'all. I'm, I'm already on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me, trash art. Yeah. Um, Trart. And then we were invited to to do a panel with Locatora Radio at La Leaf at the, mm -hmm. at the uh I don't know what it stands for anymore, but uh, it's the, a film festival. <laughs> the Latino Los Angeles, Los Angeles Latino, Latino Independent, Independent Film, film festival. festival. Why do I know this better? We than interviewed you? the cast of, of Vida. Vida, which yes. was awesome, and we got to meet El, El, El Gran uh, Edward James Olmos there. So, Selena's dad. Uh -huh. Wow. Um, uh, Jaime Escalante himself, and oh then. My God. <laughs> <laughs> um we just it just it's amazing we're doing a talk this year at nyu uh, we already booked to do a show at oh nyu my when is that uh, that's in march oh my, and we're gonna do going. in april we're gonna be back in texas we're gonna do a live latinos who lunch at Fusebox festival and that's in houston that's in austin austin oh, yeah. just yeah. kidding to go to austin maybe yeah. we'll go there so like when we get invited to do that kind of stuff it's really yeah really awesome yeah it's amazing yeah so and, and it's just uh it's just like uh, i think it just takes persistence and like uh uh just doing it because you know not all of our shows are, are hits but you know just coming out every week i think sh uh, shows people that like we're reliable mm -hmm. and you know that's all people want i think For is sure. like is like somebody that you can count on you know Ooh, yeah. amen um what are uh, your biggest goals um, oh wow okay um you know, I was just asked this question, and I don't know. Um, and all these beautiful intersections and and things you've created, and you like you said, you have the leadership, which is the biggest component, I think. Yeah, I think that. Uh, I really this year I'm, I'm I'm I already started doing this, but I'm really focusing on myself and like mm -hmm. my mental health and my uh, like financial well being and. Um, shout out to the podcast uh, Tea with Queen and Jay. Oh, because, yes. You got uh, me listening to Oh, them. my God. They're, they're my great. favorite. And um, something that, that Queen is, is saying now is that she wants to be, uh, by by this time next year, she wants to be an independent um, like artist making money for herself without mm. trauma. Oh, shit, bitch. Sorry. What is that? So right now I'm doing a lot and it's actually really taxing on, on, on my mental health mm -hmm. and on my body. Like when it comes mm -hmm. to like installation art that I do. Yeah. So I'm really focusing on, on like, uh, not streamlining everything. That's not the right word, but just like consciously making sure that I'm, I'm making decisions that are healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, uh, that, um, kind of, will will let me keep doing this mm -hmm. um, because you know a lot of people just hear the podcast and i mean y'all know because you do it it takes a lot of work mm -hmm. and it's like <laughs> now i do two podcasts a week yeah and um i love working but i also need help and mm -hmm. like admitting that i need help uh and and first step is the first step <laughs> can i have more vodka please yeah. thank you <laughs> um but um 
So just kind of just kind of focusing on that and like just being real about that. Um, so I've, I've hired an assistant, yeah. uh, which is what? like a big deal. I'm proud of you. And uh, they're helping me. And hopefully maybe I'll, I'll like have somebody to help me with my art stuff. And then um, just kind of pushing forward. I, I, I really like the trajectory in which my art career is going. So mm-hmm. just, uh, you know, staying booked and busy, honey. Yeah. And, <laughs> and um, just creating more opportunities for people. That's so it really like brings me joy, you know. Mm. Um, so my big goals like realistically are by 2020 to buy my mom a house mm. um and to have all my student loan paid off Go so it's like it. goals that are very attainable that yes. i'm gonna do you can do um, it because uh yeah i don't i don't really have any like major major things i guess with my art i eventually not in the not in the not in the uh current political climate but eventually i do want to have a i do these family fiesta performances Mm -hmm. so i'm going to have one in the white house one day i think that would be a huge statement yeah uh, to do like an art piece at the white house uh that's an amazing goal on the lawn of the white house yeah um and as far as latinos who lunch i just want to keep keep doing it but keep doing it in a way that it's actually like paying for itself Mm -hmm. you know and like making maybe a little bit money for Babelito and I so we can like right. you know buy lunch with, <laughs> yes, <laughs> with the podcast with so not you know very attainable we feel goals. that we feel yeah. that yeah how funny um what are you most proud of oh lord uh what am I most proud of I guess I don't ever I never think about this stuff this is a great question Eva thank you <laughs> I think I'm I'm the most you know back to a tea with Queen and Jay uh, one of the proudest moments I had is when Jay called, uh, sorry, Queen called me a community ass bitch. And I never <laughs> thought of myself as like a community ass bitch. But, <laughs> but I'm like completely honored, mm. like with that, with that title. Yeah. And I, and I, and I, now I see it as like a job too. Like I love connecting people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I'm most proud of. Like this moment right mm. here. Like, cabrona, like just the fact that I can come to Dallas and I have a family. Yeah. Like, I love my community and I you love do. being around amazing people. So I think that's the most thing. That's the thing that I'm proud of is like, I guess my ability to kind of like bring people together. Yeah. You have that and so much more. Oh, thank you. You really do. Like, you really, really do. And I'm not going to make you cry again because then Please I'll don't. cry. <laughs> but like, absolutely. I'm yeah. glad that you're proud of that. And I'm glad that they pointed that out to you because people like you or yeah. like Rafa even are yeah. that same way community and they ass won't. bitch is like one of those we gotta make t-shirts a, a yeah. <laughs> yeah that's real I just don't know and you, you say a... like you you have a community here you have a community anywhere yeah. but like when I hear the title of community ass bitch it's almost like it's it's like it's this these things that you create yes mm-hmm. and it's so it's, it's so much too. more than that it's it's a and it's not just like you know this this um intangible sense of of unity between people that normally wouldn't get together for whatever reason but um it's also a driver like it means so much more than that yeah yeah when i see people from my separate worlds like hanging out it like makes my heart sing oh i love that that's the best feeling yeah like when i was in new york and like my friend francisco who's this really great like collage artist look him up francisco lonoso like hanging out with uh you know with my friend who listens to latinos who lunch and like 
like does like HR in an office, right, you know, right, like, right. and they became really good friends. Aww. Like they wouldn't have found each other, right? You know, but now they like go to lunch. That's so, so it's cute. like that's so cool yeah. to see that, you know. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. All right, so this is my most Oprah question, I think. Oh shit. Um, what would you say <laughs> to your younger self? Oh my gosh. Okay. I've actually had this question before, so I can. I know it's not unique. Literally, no, Oprah no, says not. this to like everybody. Yeah. I guess uh, the main thing is that you belong in any space that you want to belong in. Mm. I mean, I think that especially within the art world, the podcasting world, it's not very welcoming to a lot of people. Mm. And, you know, like we say, representation matters. And if you don't see yourself in a space or see someone like you in a space, it's hard for you to imagine yourself there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I think that, you know, it sounds like very like the American dream or whatever. But if if you do work hard enough, you can accomplish the goals that you want. And so, um, you know, as a kid, I never thought I would have my own show. I never thought I would be an artist or or be thought of for mm-hmm. a museum to like show exhibit in a museum you know um so just to just to know that that you can break through those walls and be part of whatever community you want to be in and also to also to my younger self that yeah um, you know especially for queer kids out there that might <coughs> be listening to this it's like Yes, your family is important, especially for Latino communities, but your blood related family isn't always Ooh. the most supportive. Mm-hmm. And so I know that when I was a kid, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't come out like my family's going to disown me. Mm-hmm. And now I'm thinking like, fuck, who cares? Like yeah. uh, 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 there's so many people that will love you no matter what you know so just remember that right and uh for all you if there's anybody that's in high school right now like start forming that family that's not your family because some of some of our families are fucked up yeah and they will disown you so um make sure you got that backup family yes (laughs) i guess that's what i've been doing yeah no truly you got them all over the world i got them all over the world now so yeah just know that you're that somebody just know somebody's always gonna love you you know Mm. what i mean that's really important for because sure. in the end, that's all that's all anybody wants, right? Girl. <laughs> Ooh, that's another episode. I know. Well, thank you so much for coming to the Colores Radio. Where can we find and follow your work? Oh my goodness. Well, you can follow me at Favi Fav, F-A-V-Y-F-A-V, on all social media platforms. <laughs> um, I also have the podcast Latinos Who Lunch at Latinos Who Lunch. Uh, and the Art People podcast at Art People Pod. You can visit my website, justinfavela.com. Yes, Annie. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, I almost called you Justin, but I never call you Justin. Yeah. Uh, for being here with us. This is like a dream for us, but also for being so open and vulnerable with us. And I know maybe that's me being lucky because we've yeah. built a relationship mm-hmm. Um after Porquesterio and we fell in love and like we've just been connecting since then and it was very easy like it wasn't it was simple and I think that's so telling to who you are so thank you for sharing everything you shared with us thank you for being on our show thank you for being you you're brilliant you're beautiful you're everything thank you for being on the Colores Radio's De Cocotazo thank you this is also a dream come true I'm in Texas y'all oh my (laughs) we gotta play uh, Reba out (laughs) oh shout out to Reba shout out to Reba (laughs) yes
She's a single mom that works two jobs. <laughs> Who loves her kids and, and never, never stops. stops. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, bye. Yo. De, de, de Colores Radio. De, de, de Colores Radio.